פרשת וארה, and in פרשת וארה we have the conversation with God to Moshe Rabbeinu to Moses about the whole idea of the seven plagues that are about to come on Pharaoh. Of course, the question is why is it so important for us as a believer that we need to convince Pharaoh to let us go. After all, God, the mighty one, control everything, doesn't need the permission or discussion with Pharaoh. And we don't even need to surrender, to surrender Pharaoh to our need. So what's truly the essence? What is the reasoning of Moshe being told by God about the plagues and why seven? And I mean, we know by Kabbalah, seven is the seven spherot, seven layers that we're dealing with, what we call goof, what we call the body. Well, next week, in Parashat Paul, which is standing for Aleph and Bet, which is three, that's a three plagues. So we have seven plagues this week, three plagues next week. Meaning we're dealing with the goof this week, dealing with the body, elimination of the negativity of the body. Next week, we're dealing with the three plagues that has to do with the mind. Deeper. So when we're talking about Parashat Vaera and we talk about Pharaoh, we understand that in Pharaoh's point of view, Pharaoh represents what we call Achoraim in Kabbalah. Achoraim means backward. When you read the word Elohim backward, it starts with the letter Mem and Yud, because Elohim is Yud Mem in the end. That's why when Pharaoh meet Moses, he asked him, who is God? But who is God, W-H-O, is the same letter as me, Mem Yud. So it's not really a question, it's, it's a recognition of Achoraim of God. What is Achoraim of God? What is the backward of God? Elohim Acherim. Other God. Other God means Acherim. Achoraim means backward. It's the same thing. So everybody was believing in Backward of God. Now, what does that mean, backward of God? What does that really mean? In every Kedusha, in every holiness within it, there is a klipa, there is a shell that's protecting it. That shell has chayut. That shell has livelihood. That shell has light in it. And for that reason, people are nourishing themselves from negativity that cover the positivity. Pharaoh was the master of it, of all that negative force. So getting the Israelite out of Egypt will not be capable without connecting to the Israelite to the Aleph Lamed A of Elohim, Ele, Ele which is a difficult procedure to take a place. So the seven plagues was to break the klipa, to break the shell, that's surrounding the Kedusha, that's surrounding the holiness. And by breaking it, then the Israelite, the Israelite, which are very holy soul, could leave Egypt. I mean, ask yourself, why did they have to use the Israelite as slave? 
After all, Joseph brought enough millions of people from all over the world to be slaves to Egypt. Why the Israelites? From here we learn it wasn't just a physical slave. It was using the body and the soul of the Israelite or the Jewish people. At that time, they don't call them Jewish yet. The Israelite, Bnei Israel, to use their power that as we did the Prina Dalet, as we did the Malchut, as we did in the strongest desire, and through that to draw the light that they need for selfish reasons. Because the Klippa, the ego, cannot draw a lot of light. Negative force can draw very little bit of light. You always need to use a holy person to draw the light for you if you're negative. The same thing with Aaron, if you remember the golden calf. He was not the one who built it. He was a vehicle that used by such evil people to bring that light down. And through that, that golden calf was created. That's that, that what happened. The two sons of Bilam used witchcraft, gave him the gold in his hand, right away, magic happened. So the black magic and all the strongest negativity you could imagine was existing in Egypt. You couldn't get out. You couldn't even think on your own. You couldn't even talk what you want. The magic was controlling the mind, the talk, and the doing. But in the doing, the Israelites did well, but they couldn't control the mind. They couldn't control the talk. It was a mess. It difficult. For that reason, 50 times, exit of Egypt is mentioned in the Torah. And one of the main mitzvah for the Israelites, for the Jewish people, is to remember Egypt. Why we have to remember Egypt? as the number one miracle. Why is it so important for us to remember that? Because getting out of that was impossible. Only God can get you out of it. Because it's not just getting you out of it there physically. It's getting out mentally, spiritually, Conversation-wise, all of that has to change in one shot. And that's only the creator has a power. Yeah. So, when we look into the Zohar, the Zohar has a lot of conversation. One of the conversation, the Zohar said in verse 52 in Sulam, Oh, Trus Yashan, Tavkaf, there is something wrong with the verse in this parasha. He said, I get them out, I save them, I redeem them, and then I take them. So Rabbi Yehuda asked, it seemed like English-wise or Hebrew, it's a mess. Because it say, I will get you out of the suffering of Egypt, then I save you from the work, then I redeem you. Rabbi Uda said, he should say in the beginning, I redeem you, then I get you out. Uh, that's that's the right way in Hebrew and in English. Say God is good in marketing. And God is good to talk to people who are low, they feel low about themselves. So for that reason, God want to tell them the good news first. 
לבשר להם את הכל היפה מכולם, the best one. היציאה ממצרים. What was the most important for a slave in Egypt that controlled by magic? To get out of there. So God is not going to talk to them about big talk. I'm going to redeem you. Don't worry. I'm going to build you a penthouse in Yerushalayim and Jerusalem. No, no, no. First get us out of here. And that's what made God God. God can relate to a person on the lowest level. God relates to the person in the lowest level. God is not relating to a person in there. In there. There. Promising. God is not talking like God in this section. God is talking like he is one of us as a slave in Egypt. That's why he said, that's a tzimtzum. That's called tzimtzum. That's called contraction. Meaning, God contracting. So it's a, the most important thing is I took you, said Rabbi and I will be God for you. Tell him, Rabbi Yehuda, I agree that take you as a nation and becoming your God is the most important thing. But at the moment that somebody suffered, somebody is a slave, you only want to promise them, I will get you out of it. Then you tell them where you're going to take them to. They thought they will never get out of Egypt forever. Because they, they use black magic for the sake of uh, keeping people as prisoners. Now, what does that even mean? Using uh, black magic um, to keep people there. Well, the way magic works, it's called from Ahoraim of Elohim, from the backward of Elohim, using a little bit power of the holiness by using the dark side, and through that, slowly, 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 convincing the mind of a person to be slave to what easy, what easy, no effort at all. That was the slavery. You want to know what, if you're slave or not? Are you looking for what's easy? Or are you looking to make an effort to get what you want? I'm not saying you should suffer. Sometimes your tikkun is easy. It's supposed to be easy. But if effort scared you, if effort scared you, that's an idol worshiping. If effort's not scaring you, you're doing well. So they were using magic to keep them there. So for that reason, God tell them, I will get you out of it. So after he said, I will get you out of it, he said, and I will save you. Why I will save you? I will save you from the work. From the work. Which means I'm not only going to get you out, I'm going to save you. See, if somebody chases you, somebody tries to hurt you, I will save you. But then the, the doubts can be raised. After you save me and after you get me out, are you going to redeem me? God did him. I will redeem you. Don't worry. I will get you out. I will save you. And I will redeem you. Redeem is internal too. Then you are worried. After he redeemed me and after he does all that, will he still be my God? That's why Hashem said, the fourth one, and I will take you. I will take you. That's why I say, 
I will take you and I will bring you into Eretz Israel. I will bring you into Israel. It's just something to, to understand how important it is. Now, of course, the question is uh, been asked, why is this Pasha talking about those four categories of redemption? Why is the Geula has to be divided to four? Of course, the name of God is four. But why is this parasha? Because this parasha specifically talking about the old concept, the old concept of breaking down what's stopping you getting out of Egypt. Everybody has Egypt. Whoever doesn't have Egypt, that's what he's lying to. Everybody has Egypt. Egypt can be addiction. Egypt can be your anger. Egypt can be your ego. Egypt can be your relationship. Egypt can be your fear. Egypt can be your whatever it is. That's your Egypt. Do you truly believe you can actually change? Do you truly believe you can actually get out of Egypt? But on your own, and then you're either crazy or either you have a stupid ego crazy. Nobody can get out of the misery on their own. You need to help of the creator. Oh, the help of the study of spirituality. But once you try to get out of, of your misery alone, why would you able to do it? What makes you think you're able to do it? Let's say you can do it. After you do it, you're going to have ego. So it's a catch 22. But once you realize, I cannot get out of it, I need help. I need help. Remind me when I was teaching in a rehab in Florida. They have a book that's called The Twelfth Step. And the first step in the book is called The Twelfth Step, talking about the admitting. You admit it that you have an issue. Admit it. Then you reach out to the Creator and ask for help. Even the Twelfth Step, which is not a religious program, it's just a kind of a mental program to help people to get over addiction. So, how can we believe that we can change? After all, the Gemara. The Talmud say many times, the Zohar, the Ari, Bara Yetzirah, God is telling you, I created Yetzirah, I created the evil inclination, I created the evil force within you, and I created against it the Torah, the study of the Torah. Study of the Torah is like a tavlin. Tavlin means spice. You put it on the evil side of you, and the evil side becomes good. But you cannot change the evil on your own because fighting with the evil make you evil yourself. You get, you get the, the dust, you get the dirt coming from the evil to get attached to your soul. You don't want to do that. It's quite dangerous. Quite dangerous. So remember that, that when you want to change, I don't care if your name is Tony Robbins, Les Brown, or Zig Ziglar. A change from within is to be with the essence of the Creator running into your soul and to the book related to the Creator called the Torah. You don't do those two things. You change is random. It's kind of a, not a change. Yesterday I had a group of people above the age of uh, uh, 65. Some of them reached the age of 85. And we talk about that. We talk about change. None of them change. They're all intellectual, smart people, successful, but none of them change. They're the same people. Few more wrinkles, few more dollars in the bank, few lost, but the same people. 
change is coming according to the Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria, from Ibu. I-B-U-E-R. Ibu. Ibu. It's a soul that agree and volunteers to come from the Garden of Eden into your body and make you a different person. If you think you can do it yourself, that's already the Klippa talking. That's already the dark force talking. But when the Ibu, it can be Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. can be Rabbi Isaac Luria. can be Chavakuk Anavi, the prophet. can be Daniel. can be Shmaya and Aftalion. can be Abaya and Rabba. Those souls, when they see you pure, you're ready, you study enough Torah, you pray enough, they enter your body and start guiding you. And when they start guiding you, of course, things start to be better. But if you keep thinking and have hoping for some change in your life or change in your family, without even you thinking about a very simple thing, how do I change myself? How do I change my life? Tell you the Gemara, tell you the Talmud, tell you the Torah, tell you the Zohar. Very simple. Bara Yetzera, Bara lo Torah Tavlin. Not pursued, very simple. You cannot fight the evil or whatever is not working in your life by fighting. I mean, you may try, but you're wasting time. A precious time. You want to take that time and invest it in study. Invest it in connecting to the Creator. That's what we learn from that section. And the second limit for that section is God make it simtsumim. God make all type of contraction for the sake of reaching out to each individual. And for us, it's a lesson. When you talk to a person who has a lot of problem, relate to them according to their level. Don't talk above them. Talk to them. How do you talk to them? If they think, what would be the most important thing for a slave? Petzalti. I will save you. That's why the Zohar said, very simple. First, ve'otzeti, ve'itzalti, ve'ga'alti, ve'lakachti. But first is ve'otzeti. I will get you out of him. That's the first thing. Second thing in the Zohar, that I want to share with you, let me read it to you. This is in Pasuk Kuf Kaf Dalet, 124, and Tfus Yashan, Daf Kaf Chet Amud Aleph. And that's what it says. Rabbi Chia, Aya Yoshev Yom Echad. Rabbi Chia was sitting one day, on the petach shel Shar Oshe, in the gate of the city of Oshe, right Rabbi Lazar, he saw Rabbi Lazar, Shof Echad Shashmukat Preya, Mofevetzo. He saw Rabbi Lazar, and there is a bird flying above him. Amarul Rabbi Zerab, Shwa Shafilu, Matawlech Baderech, Look at you. Wherever you go, even the bird won't be with you. Bilazar turned his head and saw him. And he looked at the bird. They say, There's many messengers. Bird is one of them. God doesn't make shlichut 
messenger, only by living thing, also with thing with no life, like stone or trees. How do we know that? It's in the Pasuk. The Pasuk from Havakuk. <laughs> it's the Pasuk is actually from Havakuk. Ki even mekir tizak o kepiz me'ad me'ad tihanena. There is a Pasuk in Havakuk, a Navi. I don't know if you know Havakuk. Havakuk, a Navi, the prophet. There is a name Havakuk because Havakuk kavob chibuk. He was hugged twice. First, he was hugged by his mother. He couldn't have children. And then Elisha, the prophet, promised her she would have children. And she did. But then he died. And the mother didn't want to tell the father that he died. So she asked Elisha to resurrect him. So Elisha has to hug him. That's the second hug. For that reason, they call him Havakuk, to hug. Chibuk means to hug. To hug Havakuk. That's his name. He was a prophet. Havakuk was a prophet. So it's a, a stone can scream from a wall. Say the Zohar, a person should be careful not to see in the fall of God. He say, who's going to witness? Because he need witness when he talk to God. He say, the stone, the wood, is home. And sometimes God used them to become a messenger too. How do we know that? Look at the stuff of Aaron. The high priest. It's Yavesh. It was a dry piece of branch, a wood. God used it to make a miracle in the beginning. First, he swallowed all the crocodile, the alligator, the Egyptian, the black magic, that little piece of branch. And second, it became a life and become a real snake and become a real alligator. So that's been everything that God wants to use can be a messenger. Sometimes I know you're at the corner of your bed hitting your little toe. Oh, so much pain. But the truth is from God. Sometimes you meet a person who takes too much money from you from what you're supposed to pay. That's a messenger. Everything is a messenger. For that reason, Sir Rabbi Lazar, Tifach Rucham Shabotam Omrim Shakatosh Mohu Enotid Lachet Bidim. Rabbi Lazar is cursing the people who don't believe in the resurrection of the dead in the end of time. Sheriff Shah Shasem and Briah Hadashah, because they're raising a doubt. How can God create a human from a dead person? Those people are far away from the Torah, far away from God. If Aaron, the high priest, said the Zohar, said Rabbi Lazar, at the dry branch, and God, God make it into alligator or stink, those bodies that used to be alive now are dead. Don't you think God can resurrect them? God just put them, hide them in the ground. But when the time comes, when everybody will be happy, which called Gemara Tikkun, of course, also they can be resurrected. And how, how is the procedure of Triyatamitim taking place? 
is one bone in your body called eczema nose. It's on top of your spine. That bone never enjoy anything physically. That's why when you eat on Saturday night, you're supposed to eat for her, for that piece bone. Why? Because in the end of time, God take it, that bone, for the healing team, and he make it like a dough. You get skin and everything from that. And then God give it the spirit, and then there is resurrection. Tremendous sick. I just want to finish by the section that I recommend to all of you to read in verse Resh, the end of the era. In the end of the era, there is a whole discussion about the end of time. It's talk about the argument that Ishmael minister had with God. And he said to God, we deserve something too. Why are you only taking care of the Israelites? And God say, well, chosen people and also they do the circumcision. He said, we also do the circumcision, say the Ishmael minister. And God answered, well, they do it differently. And he said, well, we still deserve something. And say this all said that at that time, God will give them a piece of the Holy Land, what we call Israel today, when it's empty, when there is nothing there. They will not be able to create something out of nothing here. Not capable. And I'm not here to go into the political point of view of Israeli versus Palestinian Muslim against Jews, that's not my point. My point is to explain the Zohar. So don't use it for political campaign. It's just what the Zohar said. The Zohar said, at the end of time, it will be a lot of people from Ishmael, Ishmael meaning like Arabs or Muslim, because Muslim was created much after by the religion of Muhammad. So it's different between the Ishmael, between Arab to Muslim, very big difference. Because here it mentioned as Arabs, it doesn't mention Muslim. Muslim was not existed 2,000 years ago. So we say, in the end of time, all the nation of the Arabs will try to create war. And from the other end of the world, which I don't know who it is, he called it Rome. Rome not exist, cannot be Italy. Rome and all the nation, that they call them red, Red is related to Esau. Esau is the same letter as Jesus. Okay, same exact letter. So that's the nation of uh, what we call Esau fighting Ishmael. So all the Christianity will fight all the Arabs. And all those wars will be in the area of the ocean, of the sea, next to Jaffa, Tel Aviv, and Jerusalem. And eventually, the land will be given to the Israelite to worship God, so all the other nations can have money, health, and prosperity. That will be in the end of time. For that reason, there is a sect in Christianity that forced almost Israeli and Jewish people to go back to Israel because they know that without 
the Israelites going back to Israel and live in harmony with the Holy Temple, all the other nations will have to wait and suffer. So for all those uneducated people who hate Jewish or Israeli, uh, which you have the right to do so, I mean, uh, that's, you can hate as much as you want. But in the end of the day, or in the end of the tikkun, there is a goal. There is a temple in Jerusalem, you like it or not. That temple will be built, the third temple, and we will have to serve there and offer to save the, the nation. Judaism is not belong only to the Jew. Judaism is a religion or a way of spirituality to serve all the nation, 7.2 billion people. That's how it works. We supposed to pray for all the nation. We supposed to study Torah for all the nation. That's what we supposed to do. That's our goal. It's our duty. The land of Israel, the small land, it's a piece of land the size of New Jersey, that's supposed to be a place that nourishes everybody else. Unfortunately, with all the war, with all the chaos, the war is not really the problem. The war become like a prevention from that to take a place. So, with that last word, I would like just to wish you a wonderful day here from Israel. I'm in Tel Aviv. In half an hour, I'm leaving to uh, uh, a place called Latrun, where I'm going to give a lecture uh, about different subjects. And um, I just want to tell you that this week, with this short message I'm sending you, you got to look in internally and see how much effort you make with your giving. It can be money. Giving can be yourself, like volunteering. Giving can be time, spending time to pick up the phone and call every day to people to ask how they're doing. Or giving can be giving lecture. But unfortunately, there are many people who don't get it. The it, IT with a big circle red around it. People don't get it, and that's why they don't have an error. They cannot see. This whole Pasha is about seeing. How can I see? The reason they can't see, because when you're busy with yourself so much, even when you study spirituality, you start thinking, how is that what I study will serve me? You're not thinking how the spirituality changed me so I will serve others. You know? Sometimes when it's so comfortable, you're no longer thinking, what should I change? If it's not comfortable, you want to change, but sometimes the wrong thing. What do you try to change is the discomfort. I hope, in the name of God, in the name of the building of the temple, the third temple, and with the help of the Creator and the angels, and the help of today is Rabbi Ladi, Balatania, you know, the person who wrote Tanya, Sefer Shem Benonim, a book for mediocre, meaning it's a book that reminds us that sometimes you are on the way to do a good thing. Are you a tzaddik 
I want the way to do a bad thing. Are you a wicked person? Who are you? In the book of the Tanya. Book of Tanya, one of the greatest book on Kabbalah. If you want to understand Kabbalah, Book of Tanya is pretty, pretty good book. Pretty one of the best. And it's teaching us there about the Olamot and everything else. The Balatanya was capable to do so. I, my mentor would teach me uh, some Kabbalah, you know, for years. Didn't like Balatanya, he refused to light the candle for him. He, he had issue, he had issue, he had issue. I don't think he fully understand the whole concept of Kabbalah. He understood that he needed to be loyal to his teacher, which is good. Loyalty is good, but loyalty sometimes makes your mind narrow about what else out there. So, is that called loyalty or stupidity? Well, you can be loyal, but in the same time, you have to see what's what's available. What else can help? What else can make a difference? It doesn't mean that you go shopping around for everybody else, but when you get to a level of a teacher, rabbi, mentor, I have to study more. Like a person, like in my position, what do I do? I'm going around. Tonight I'm going to have a meeting. Tomorrow I'm going to meet more rabbis and other rabbis to see if there is a different point of view. To bring redemption, to make a change in the world. That's how you do it, right? You're not sitting in your little corner and with people to believe in you and to believe in your wisdom because then you get narrow, you get small. You cannot bring nothing, no mashiach, no nothing. It's like the last place I worked for him for, those of you who know. Nothing happened. Ah, noise, ah, just some noise, screaming, yelling, uh, charging. Ah. But where is it now? Not existing. The other end, you see the town, but it's also quiet. One man, one son, Rabbi Shibur Rabbi Lazar, in the cave in Pekin. Nobody even know whatever. These things live forever. Because when you don't want to learn from others, and you call it loyalty, I wouldn't call it loyalty. Loyalty is internally. Loyalty is not externally. If you want to tell everybody how loyal you are, that's an ego. But when you keep the loyalty for you, <clears throat> that's a true loyalty. And I hope I will not do this mistake that I saw that one of my teachers did. You know, he never mixed with others. He always kept it internal. And then the mistake took a place. It became a spiritual group that just uh, didn't go anywhere. It just did one more mistake. And I remember that one of the conversations I had with him uh, they were arranging something to write about him in Life magazine. It was a magazine that came out. It was pretty good. It was very nice. But he was looking at the side of the article. He was looking why Rabbi Gershon Shalom is bigger than him. He was busy comparing and feel sorry for himself. It didn't become who it is. The reason I don't mention his name because many people still follow him and I don't want to upset you. But he has his good part, and he has his bad part. And those of you who believe in him like he was perfect, that's idol worshipping. Those of you who understand he was a human, went to the toilet. Yeah, he did. So he was there. And he went to, to eat. He was there too. So then you can believe in some wisdom he shared to the world. 
but don't believe in him. Believe in the wisdom, Michelle. More you believe in him, more you're hurting his soul. Thank you. And have a beautiful day. May we all get out of the idol worshiping. If you need to ask me some questions, don't be shy to call or to text. Thank you. Thank you.